Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I am Damon Pistolka, your host today. And with me, I am happy to say I have Wesleyan Greer. Thanks so much for being here today, Wesleyan. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, I want to mention your company too, Transform Sales. Today, we're going to be talking about keys to effective sales processes for STEM companies. And when some people talk about STEM, they may talk about it like science, technology, engineering, and math. And you kind of use it that same way. But what does STEM mean to you? It's science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing because math is in everything that we do. And manufacturing is really where the focus is. And that's an industry that operates the same as engineering and tech companies. And they all need sales consulting. So M for me is manufacturing. There we go. Awesome, Wesleyan. Well, tell us a little bit about your background, Wesleyan, because when you look at your background, you just wouldn't figure you to turn into a sales professional helping other people sell more or better. So I always start with I am a recovering chemist, and that means I went to college, I got my degree in chemistry, and then I worked actually in a lab playing with plastics, I say. It was a failure analysis lab. So I had to figure out why are these actual things failing in the field? When you make this plastic cup, why does it break? And so I was always so curious. I was like, well, why am I doing this? What did you guys do to make this happen? Like, give me the story. I'm not just going to give you data. I want to paint a picture, tell a story. So what I found myself in sales and I tell people I got when I got into sales, I finally figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up because I loved everything about it. Everything about it from convincing people to buy from me, negotiating hard, everything about it. And as a new salesperson, there were so many resources, so many tools to become really, really excellent at sales, books, podcasts, everybody selling to salespeople. But then I became a sales manager and it's like somebody dropped me in the middle of the ocean and said, swim, now bring all these little fish with you. And then I'm like, I'm drowning and I can't figure out how to bring them along with me. So what I realized that one of the biggest areas, one of the biggest gaps is sales leadership. No one teaches you how to manage a sales team. No one teaches you what to do day to day. Really, no one teaches you that everybody on your team is not a mini me. And so that's what we focus on. We help companies build better sales teams by building better sales leaders. Yes. And I think you said it well. There's a lot of things to teach a person how to sell better. But when it comes to how do you manage salespeople, motivate, you know, and and teach them what they need to know to be successful, it's it's uh it's like you said, you're in the middle of the desert. Yeah, it's like nobody. And the thing is, it's the companies these days. One thing that's really been rallying me up is that on LinkedIn, all these platforms, everybody's like 
they're marketing to the salespeople. I'm like, the salespeople suck because their bosses suck. Like, let's fix the bosses <laughs> before we fix the people. Because you're trying to get these salespeople to sell better, cold call better, do this, close more. But they have no leadership. And that is the problem. The lack of leadership, the ineffective leadership is leading to ineffective sales teams. Yep, that's for sure. That's for sure. So as you're coming through your sales career, what were some of the things that inspired you to go, listen, I, I need to, this, I want to be a sales manager. What, what, I mean, because salespeople kind of be more independent and in doing that. Why, why did you really want to be a sales manager? So I've always had this heart for being a teacher, for being a coach. So I can even remember in college, I was like, okay, I need to make some extra money. And I decided I was going to tutor people. And that experience in college tutoring people, it really set me up for success in what I do today because it helped me understand that people learn differently. I could just read something mm. and be done and I got it. But everyone didn't learn the same way. I had to find ways to break it down to say, okay, now you repeat it back to me. What did you hear me say? You explain it to me, teach it to me, right? To really close that loop. So going throughout my career as a chemist, as a salesperson, I've always, I was always that person that people would lean on as a mentor or ask to be a coach or can you help me with this? And so I tell people I have a heart of a teacher. And as the heart of a teacher, I knew that I wanted to lead people and teach them how to become better salespeople. Because again, yeah, there are resources out there, but mid now it's becoming more of a norm where there are degrees that you can get in sales. You can go to college and learn how to be a salesperson. But back mm -hmm. in those days, there was nothing. It was just like, okay, maybe I have a marketing degree. Maybe I have a chemistry degree. Maybe I have this or that, but nobody taught you how to be a salesperson. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. So when you, when you first got into sales management, what was the toughest part for you? Mm. It was so hard to let go of doing. Oh. I still wanted to sell. Like, I was like, I just, but I love selling. Why can't I sell anymore? But I want to go call on the customers. I don't want to sit in the yeah. office and run reports and listen to call. I don't want to do this. Yeah. That was the hardest part. And it's the hardest thing for sales management because like that is your passion and your joy. And yeah. you don't realize that you're not going to get to sell. Like your joy is going to come from seeing your other people sell. Like your wins are their wins now. And that was the hardest thing that I didn't get to be involved in the sale. I bet. I bet. Because he's, he's, yes. Because you came from wanting and getting to close those deals and make those sales and and uh, yeah, you want to see your people be successful, but you want to be involved in it. So as you made the transition, then what are some of the key things that you really said? I have to start doing this if I'm going to live in this position. So one is the mindset shift is knowing that your success is your people's success. When they fail, you fail. When they win, you win. So that's one of the biggest keys mm -hmm. that sales managers have to, to make is a paradigm shift of understanding that it's not about me. <laughs> and that is very, very hard because most sales managers are like top salespeople. So they're used yeah, yeah. to being at the, up at the top, doing yeah. all the, you know, yeah. getting all the hand claps and the awards and the trips. And so I would say that is the single hardest thing that you have to realize. And the second thing is, 
not only do you have to manage your people, but you have to manage up and you have to manage across. So when you manage up, it's like, hey, boss, my team needs this. Can we do this? Instead of your boss just always pushing things down your throat, you have to be able to negotiate with them. You have to be able to go to the boss and say, can we do this? Is this okay? No, that budget is unrealistic. That's not going to work. I don't care what you think. 20% growth is unrealistic. But finding those words so you don't just internalize and get burnt out and then managing across. Because in sales, we work with finance. We work with operations. We work cross-functionally. And knowing how to work with your colleagues that are on the same level is you, you cannot say marketing sucks, operations sucks, and be successful in sales. It doesn't work like that. So really understanding that you no longer really exist as an island just focused on selling your product or selling your service, that you have all of these different things and you have a number that you have to hit. So that's why I say the sales manager's job is so hard. It's not just managing people day-to-day tasks. It's like you got to hit this number, you have to manage these people, you have to do all of these different things. And that's really what makes this one of the hardest jobs in organization. Yeah, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to put that thought on hold just for a second and go back to you. So do you think you're a better salesperson or a sales manager? Hmm, put me on the spot there, huh? Um, I, I think that there are some aspects of being a salesperson that I think that I was amazing at. Like I was an awesome closer. I, I don't want any of my clients to hear me or anybody I'm mentoring, but I really did like prospecting. <laughs> like that was not my thing. Yeah, so yeah. if I didn't have to prospect, or if I didn't have to do any of that, before um, the the actually got to the demo and the close, I really enjoyed that. But I would say that as a sales manager, that I was able to not just close for myself, but I was able to help 10 or 20 or 30 people close also. So really yeah. being able to see what I can do through other people, I think that that's probably where my true joy lies. And yeah. so I would probably say, I don't know why I was, I was a pretty good salesperson, but I'm a pretty yeah. good sales manager too. So I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. I think about that with myself and engineering and I was, I was, good engineer, but much better manager. I think as I got, as, like you said, for the same reason that you said at the end there about if I led people right and taught them, right, I could do, I could make so much more of an impact on the organization if they were doing the right things the right way and, and, and getting things done. Yeah. And when you, when you see that as a manager, I think that's, and I think that's one of the, the reason why I brought it up is um, a lot of people, you know, like you said, it's, it's the best salesperson becomes a sales manager or in the worst case, the one with the longest tenure. <laughs> That's, that can be really bad. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But, you know, that is quite a transition. As you said, you you spoke through the transition that you really have to make if you're going to be a successful sales manager. It's not about you doing it anymore. It's about enabling your team get everything they need, the training, the habits, the whatever they need to help them do it, do it. And you succeed when they succeed. Absolutely. And I think that really thinking about where do I operate in my best self? 
because it's okay if you're a lone wolf and you just want to be a lone wolf. There's some people that are like, never want to be a sales manager. I worked with a, a team recently and I was like, well, who can you mentor? Because your goal as a sales manager is to work yourself out of a job so you can move up the ladder, right? Yeah. And he was like, nobody. There is nobody on my team that wants to, to lead. And so it's like, is it because you're a bad example as a leader or is it just because they don't want to do it? Not everybody is innately made to be a sales manager and that's yeah. okay. But the key is understanding that, hey, when I'm looking to build out my team or I'm looking to promote someone into leadership, I am looking for core qualities of leadership. It's not about winning all the deals. If you have a salesperson that is always at the top of the leaderboard, but they have challenges with other people within the organization, they're most likely not going to be a good leader because yeah. they don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to use their words. They don't know how to not bulldoze through. And yeah, I, I see a lot of talk about this. Can you be a good sales manager and not be have been a good salesperson? I'm pretty adamant. I say no, because there's no way that you can tell me what to do when you haven't walked a mile on my shoes. And so if you've never hit your quota, how can you tell me to hit my quota? Like if you've never um, gone out point. there yeah. and knocked on doors, how can you tell me to what to do? Right. It's just like when your kids are like, did you do that? Did you? And you're like, nah, that doesn't matter, right? But it's really true. Like, that is one key thing. If you've never hit your quota, how can you expect me to hit my quota? And how can you give me tips and strategies in order to do that? That's a good point because it's almost, it's sales is a form of technical leadership almost. You know, it's like if you're managing engineers, you better know engineering. You know, that's the kind of yeah. thing. Because there's some, problems they're going to need help with. And sales is, is very similar in those respects is you have to be able to show the technical ways of, of how to do it and what needs to, that's a great point. That's a great point. How many times do you see that happening where people, Oh, you're going to be the sales manager, but they've never done sales. So there's a phenomena where um, sometimes <laughs> it's a phenomenon. Oh, that's phenomena. bad. This is bad. If it's phenomena where <laughs> Sometimes the person who squeals the loudest or rubs elbows the most, they yeah. get promoted. And sometimes in companies, it's just like, you were a horrible salesperson. And instead of the company letting the person go, they're like, let's put them in another position. So they're not affecting our revenue, but they can just do something else. I'm like, why? Why would yeah. you ever do that? There was a, a person who, I mean, he was a really, really smart guy, but he had never sold a day in his life. And oh he had a, a PhD and they're like, but he's smart and he knows the technology, but oh, he didn't know anything oh. about sales. Like, and that happens a lot in our technical fields, right? Because it's like, oh, you're smart. Oh, you know, the technology. Oh, you know this. And then they, they just, you know, slide them in. And then I have this other phenomenon I call your competitors rejects that I talk about a lot, you know, in hiring people tend to hire their competitors rejects because they're just very singularly focused and they only focus on their specific industry. Yeah. Yep. A phenomenon. Oh, I have to think about that. Cause that's not good. When it's that many people that you call it a phenomenon, that's, phenomenon. And, and you're right though. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of places where the sales team, is literally the last people standing. I mean, mm -hmm. as far as the 
the people that haven't quit. I'm trying to get find the right words for it. That's in some uh, regards when they're not supported, when they don't have the right processes and systems. And it's because sales is anymore. And I want to ask you some questions around this because we're, we're going to talk about the keys and your kinds of companies that you're helping people with. The sales is not just going out and beating on doors anymore. I mean, you have to have data, you have to have systems, you, I mean, to really be effective at it. And you've got to have, it's, it's a, it's a lot more than just doing that anymore, isn't it? Absolutely. It's not just pick up the phone and call. It's not just show up with your item and do a demo. It is you really need to understand the problems, the challenges, the issues that your prospect, that your buyer is facing. And really the challenge is now, especially if we take just one specific area that I focus on in manufacturing, the workforce is aging. And so with an aging population, there's not a, a good transference of knowledge because the, the salespeople, sales managers, even the people within the company, as they age out, they're not leaving behind all of that knowledge because nothing has really been documented. It's just in their head. Right. Yeah. And so you have to slow down and make sure that you have a documented process. You want to be able to hand someone something on their first day and say, hey, this is how you sell this widget. You do one, you do two. If you hear this, you do this. If you do that, you do that. So really having a documented process, something that people can follow is really, really the key to switching from a people dependent sales organization to a process dependent sales organization. We want process dependent, not people dependent. If a person leaves and your sales organization falls apart, you did something wrong. It's not the sales team's fault. It's your fault as a leader for not having processes and things that they can lean on. Yes. Yes. So then how much, how much of your time is, is spent now in your work with clients just working on the process. Oh, process, process, process. So I follow a, a framework. I call it the three P's. It's yeah. people, process, people plus process equals profits. So we have to make sure we have the right people in the seat because sometimes, you know, people want me to, to turn water into wine. Like, I, I just can't do that. I mean, if you have crappy yeah. salespeople, I can't do anything with these yeah. crappy salespeople. So first, let's make sure we have the right people in the right seats. And a lot of times it's a reshuffling. It's maybe not that you have the wrong people, but they're not in the right positions. Yeah. Then we focus on the process because I want to make sure that as we're building out the process, we actually have people to execute. The process. We actually have people that can say, yeah, this works. No, this doesn't. And so a lot of what we do is we're developing the people and creating the process it together. And that's what leads us to profitability. So if we do each of those in a silo, if you just say, okay, I'm going to spend six months hiring the right people. I'm going to spend six months developing the people. Then you have a whole another batch of people you have to hire and you have no process. If you just focus silo on the process and then you don't have the right people in the seats, then we're not making money. So yeah. you really, it's a formula. Like that's why I use the formula and that's my chemist brain coming together. People plus process equals profit. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to, you have to, you have to work on them con or in parallel really, because you, without any of them, you won't either one, you won't get it done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kurt stopped by and said, hello. Hey, Kurt. Hey. We see, we see Kurt once in a while, don't we? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
good stuff. Okay. We One got of our uh, favorite peeps too. Yep. Yep. Good stuff there. So when we're talking about this people profit, people plus process equals profit. Now, when we talk about process, the, the sales processes that you see today, you know, you can talk to somebody and they're going to say that they need a CRM that does all this kind of stuff for you. And there's other people that say, oh, we do it in Excel. And I don't think that either one of those is really right for everyone. But what are some of the, in, in the kind of clients that you're working with, what are some of the just the, the high level key things that you really see they need systems wise so the salespeople can be effective. So really when you think about salesperson effectiveness, sales manager effectiveness, it goes back to this phenomenon of sales enablement tools, right? And mm -hmm. so larger companies tend to have whole sales enablement departments. So they focus on really helping the salespeople learn and a lot of times it's learning the products. It's not learning yeah. how to sell. And yeah. so when you hear sales, sales enablement, it's like product training. It's not sales training, it's product training. But a strong CRM actually, or a strong system, it has a way, it has a two-way feedback. So if you say, hey, um, the first thing that you do when you make an outbound call is you try to schedule a discovery call, right? If you are tracking this in a spreadsheet or tracking it in a CRM and you see somebody made 50 calls and they scheduled two meetings, there's something broken there, right? Mm -hmm. So I always look at the conversions. I don't care about the actions. It could take you 10 people to make five meetings. Then you're done with that activity. Move on to the next thing. Maybe it takes you 50 to book five meetings. That means we have to work on building your skills. So again, when we think about a process, we have to think about what are what are the metrics we're looking at in the process. And for me, it's all about conversions. I don't care about the share numbers. I care about how you're converting. How many calls are turning into demos? How many demos are turning into proposals? How many proposals are turning into closed sales? Like, yeah. and that's the simplest process that you can build out, right? That's a four-step simple process. And so if we're if something is broken ahead. Right. So we call those leading lead indicators. So if we're not converting enough phone calls into discovery meetings, we're never going to hit our numbers. Mm -hmm. So why are you just running reports looking at how many closed sales we have? The problem is way up the pipeline. Right. And so when we think about the process, we have to think about how do I help my people enable my people to actually do make the best phone calls? How do I enable them to have the best scripts? How do I enable them to do the best demos, right? And so those are the things that sales managers need to think about, whereas usually sales managers are just thinking about closing sales and hitting their number. Yeah, you have to think about that, but it's way upstream that the problem is coming from. That's a great point because we were we were helping a client here last fall and they they had somebody that was, was trying to help them with sales and they were resisting the fact that you shouldn't be thinking about what happens in a phone call and helping people's at least script talking points and other things in a phone call and then the emails and anything other subsequent conversation. And I didn't really, because you know, the salespeople and they eventually worked it out, but you're, 
you're exactly right though to to get that conversion rate up we have to have a consistent process in the words we use and the way that we talk to people in each part of the process don't we Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of times when you're building out these processes, don't build it on your A student. Like they're going to always get it. You got to build it on those B and C students, middle of the Ooh. pack, right? Not and not the low performance. What are the, what's the middle of the pack doing? What does the middle of the pack need? Let me listen to their calls, right? So yes, you listen to the top performers because you want to get best practices. You want to see what they're doing, but holding everyone to that standard is going to demotivate the team because yeah. they don't have the same skill set. And so you're right. It's not, this is not cookie cutter. These are suggestions. You use option A, B, or C. Again, I don't care which one you use, just get it done. <laughs> and yeah. I just want to hear that we're we're transitioning as we move through the, the process. And I should see growth week over week. Things should get better. Mm -hmm. Oh, did I hit that again? Sorry. I, I didn't shut that off. I didn't. Boom. Sorry, but that's, that's right. It's, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that and I just lost my whole train of thought as I was thinking on that hard, because you're right. You have to work with the, the middle of the pack. And if you build your sales processes on your a player, not everybody's going to be like that or your star, you know, cause let's face it. A lot of times the star player is doing it their own way and they've done it their own way. And you kind of, I don't want to say leave them alone, but they kind of are in their own world of the way they do things. But I like your idea and how you're applying it of, of building to the, to the mass, the majority of people mm -hmm. so that we have a good system that you can bring a lot of people in and you can scale it that way. Absolutely. And really what happens when you think about, because the sale, your sales team is, is kind of like a bell curve, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're going to have some really high performers. You're going to have middle of the pack and you're going to have your low performers. And if you build things or you think about, okay, I'm starting to build out a sales process. What does the middle of the pack need to level up, right? Yeah. Your top performers, because they're top performers, they're going to soak it up. And so it's actually going to help them level up even more. And your low performers, they're either going to get it or they're not. And they're going to eventually wash away. Right. Yeah. And so if you can get that middle tier, which is usually 50 or 60 percent, if you mm -hmm. can focus there instead of focusing on, hey, these are because there's the 80 20 rule. Right. There's that Pareto yeah. principle. We always want to focus on, hey, you guys are generating revenue. What do you need? How can I help you grow more? And then the rest of the people, either you spend too much time spinning your wheels or you don't give them enough attention. And what you really have to do is figure out how can I help them? Your job as a sales manager, as a sales leader, is to enable your people to do their job, not do their job for them. Yeah. That's that's great. Enabling the people, because I've got a, I've got some follow-up questions on this. Cause how many times when you go in, because I've 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 thought about this a lot, how many times do you go in and you go? and see a sales team that's not performing very well. And it is just the system and not just, it is the system and process. It's not the people hmm. compared to it being the people. Well, you know, it really kind of depends on the size of the organization. The, the smaller companies tend to, <clears throat> have more people problems just because okay. they're not 
they don't have a really good selection criteria and they're okay. just kind of they're trying to gobble everyone up because they're in growth mode and they're like we need salespeople, we need salespeople, right so in larger companies it tends to be systems and it could be systems in two different spectrum right um there was one company that i worked with and i was like okay i'm gonna do a sales process audit you know i'm thinking i'm gonna get in their crm i'm gonna do it they sent me a 76 page document i'm like no wonder your salespeople are not following this. No one's going to read 76 pages mm -hmm. of sales process, yeah. right? And then on the other end, they're just focused and they're so dependent on, um, okay, this is what the top performers do. Everybody do that. And that's the process that they use. So it can be too regimented or way too loose. And so the goal is let's get somewhere in the middle. And if you have an established sales team, you really just have to get people in the room and you just start asking them questions. Hey, Bob, when you get an inbound lead, what's the first thing you do? Okay, so Ryan, what about you? How do you handle that, right? And then you literally are aggregating what they are doing today. Not try to fit a round peg in a square hole, but let's use what the team is doing today and what works. And then you as a leader, you kind of take all of that data and all that information and you build it out into your process. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it really does start with that, doesn't it? It, it? Of Just asking people what they're doing now, because most of the time you really don't know until you sit down and do that, do that deep dive first and just really step by step. Absolutely. One of the tools that we use is a um, sales person evaluation. And a part of the evaluation is the salesperson has to record a video of their value proposition and their elevator pitch. And oh, they're wow. laughable. <laughs> they're, it, I mean, like when I play them back to the CEOs or to the sales managers, they're like, is that what they're saying in front of customers? Like, it's even the basics like that. Like, what is the elevator pitch? What is our value proposition? The last one we did, it, there were like 10 people and they like read it or they were like, oh, we sell this and we do. I mean, it's just horrible. It's just bad. And so it's small things like that. Like your salespeople don't even know how, if they're in the line at a grocery store and somebody sees the emblem and they're like, what do you do? They can't even tell somebody in 30 seconds succinctly what they do. So mm -hmm. when you have challenges like that, it's like, well, okay, it's not, is it a people? Is it a process? That means during your onboarding, you did not teach them that, right? Yes. Yes. Well, and it's, and it is the, the details. It's, it's like everything. The devil is in the details and every bit. Cause when you first said this, I was thinking value proposition and sales pitch, and I would be just frozen to do it until I thought about it. And I realized I do it every day, but the, the salesperson that comes in and understand and doesn't understand if you didn't say, this is our value proposition. You can say it how you want. This is the meaning of our value proposition. And then they can kind of give it their own spin. And the same thing on the sales or the elevator pitch. Uh, yeah. But yeah. And they, then you just think about, you think about that salespeople. So you got, let's just say you got 10 salespeople that are out there for you today and they all don't really know. And it's all different across the board based on their experience and what they know about the company or what they don't know. That little bit alone 
right there, just making sure that, hey, everybody knows your value proposition and your elevator pitch for your company. It's like, as you said, standing in the grocery store. If someone said, hey, where do you, where do you, I see you work at blah, blah, blah. What do you guys do there? Mm-hmm. There's your elevator pitch time. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you know, the, the higher level, I, I just need something consistent initially, but the higher level elevator pitch and value proposition is, I know this is, counterintuitive, but nobody actually cares about you. They want to know how you can help them, right? So what does your company do to help them? Um, What solution does your company provide? How, right? So it's not just like we provide software and we do this and we do that. We do that. No, it's like many times a person has this challenge and this challenge and that we help them overcome that challenge, right? That is like, oh yeah, I know somebody who has that because that's the whole point. Like you want somebody to say in 30 seconds, oh yes, I can identify. Yes. And you're, you just brought up, I think a very, 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 and I'll say very twice more on top of that important point in, in looking at an elevator pitch that we would have used 20 years ago and about an elevator pitch today, because if you're not, because my thought was an elevator pitch when you were, when I first, when you first said it was, well, this is what we do, but that's not really a good elevator pitch anymore. That's kind of a book, mm-hmm. you know, but if you, if you do it, it, well, it is, that's what it is. It's just not, not relevant to people because they don't care. But if you just said, we help people do this, that's a lot better than we make, you know, we make cars. No, mm-hmm. we help people do the things they want to do, get where they want to go or something like that. You know, it's a lot different statement when they do that, that's a great point. And that elevator pitch and also the value proposition as well. If you're starting to talk about that, it's, it's not what, what we do. It's the problems we solve and how we do that. Absolutely. Um, I make their life better. Mm-hmm. How we can help make somebody's life better. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's great points there. Great points there. So as what is the, the, the thing that just, you just, absolutely love seeing today in sales hmm i love seeing good salespeople. like if i am if somebody pitches me i'm like oh my gosh you're a good salesperson because there are so few out there these days like Salespeople are, are, they're so focused on just hitting their number that they really, they've taken the human being out of being, of, of sales, right? And I can't fault them that much. I fault, you know me, I always talk about the leaders. It's the leader's mm-hmm. fault for putting all yeah. that unnecessary pressure on them. But when I talk to a salesperson, first of all, if somebody cold emails me and it actually is not about them, I will respond. Some people say they respond to everyone. I'm like, I don't have time to respond to foolishness. But if they can identify something with it, like, oh, I really enjoyed the podcast that you were just on. I really enjoyed, like you spent five minutes. That's it. It only takes five minutes to do some research on something that is about me. That is really good. And then when we get into a discovery meeting, you don't just vomit your product. No, like, I don't care about you. Like, ask me questions. You shouldn't be talking that much. So really seeing somebody who is a strong salesperson, that is one thing that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so refreshing. And the thing is they're out there. But mm-hmm. salespeople, some people say they're born. I say that they, they're they made, right? That's why 
I my tagline is the science of selling STEM because as a science, it can be taught. So mm-hmm. even if your salespeople are not that good, or even if your sales leader is not that good, you can teach them, you can mentor them, you can coach them, you can get them to where they need to be. We never tell people to fire your salespeople. We never say. We say it's going to take six months. It's going to take 24 months. It's going to take this long to get them to baseline. Do you want to invest the time? And sometimes they say yes. Sometimes they say no. But that's your decision. People Mm -hmm. can get there. It's just about how much development you give them. Yeah. Because you are right. Some people think that, oh, you're just a natural salesperson. And that's. Very, very, very few people are 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 natural salesperson or salespeople, and even at that, they're not a skilled salesperson because skilled salespeople understand, like you said, they learn about a the process of sales and and how their product really does solve problems for their their customers and and can speak to those kind of things. And then too, there's that that fine mix of well, there's, there's just so much stuff. I, I, my, my brain's going because you're, you're right. It, it really is something that you can teach if you if you really step through the process. Like you said, we talked about this a while ago, you know, with with scripts and talking points and, and understanding the steps in your sales process and how that works is as, as simple as that. You and I have talked about that before. It changed my world when we in our business when we when we developed a sales process. Now it's like, oh, yeah. We're in this step. This is what we usually do here. Can go a little more, a little left, but these are the things we want to accomplish here. And when you have a, an effective sales process and you know what happens at those steps, your salespeople can follow that and they can navigate what they need to a little bit here and there and do that. Like you said, teaching the people how to how to be effective. That's yeah, cool. And you know the 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 also the key with building out sales processes. One of my clients told me uh, probably about six or eight months ago, like, Wesleyan, I have so much time on my hand now. I don't even know what to do with myself. I was like, now it's time to hire some junior salespeople so we can get them up and running. But when you take, because what's happening is the salespeople ask you 50 questions a day because they don't know what to do. And Mm -hmm. so if they have a process, they just ask you a question if there's something broken in the process or something deviates from it, or they can't figure it out. They're not always running to you for you to do this and to do that. And I say that's a a module we teach is stop being the savior. It is literally the first thing we teach when we're working with new sales managers. Stop being the savior. And when you stop being the savior and you really focus on, hey, Let me give you a process to follow. Let me give you something that you can at least go one plus one equals two. And then you come to me for coaching advice and help. Mm -hmm. Stop being a savior. That's a good one. Well, because it is, it is the, it is the natural thing to, to jump in and want to help, but you're right. They need to be able to go back and say, why is someone asking this question? And is it something broken with our process that we need to fix or we haven't given the the salespeople the right training and so they can answer the question next time? Because if you answer the question today, you'll be answering the question again tomorrow, probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100 percent. And another thing that's really hard for sales managers and I would say managers in general is sometimes you have to let your salespeople lose. 
you have to let them fail because mm -hmm. that, that's a part of that. Stop being the savior, because if you're always there to rescue them, they're never going to learn. Right. And so sometimes you can be on the sidelines seeing a uh, you can be on the sidelines seeing something going really downhill and you have to decide, is this a teachable moment? Is this something I should teach? Um, is this something I should allow them to, to fall? Right. Or is this something that I need to rescue them? And usually it's going to be let them fall because they're not going to ask you advice until it's almost about to, to fail. It's going to be like 90 percent loss. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to lose this big this big deal. What can you do? How can you help me? Right. And it's like, no, you messed up at step two. That's where the challenge happened. And so it's really hard because maybe it's the end of the month or the end of the quarter and you feel like you're on the line, but that people will never learn unless they learn how to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great point because there's a fine line between letting somebody fail to learn and and something where you should step in. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Kurt, Kurt says you've got an awesome sales process in baseball analogy. There we go. Can't talk, but yes. So let's hear your baseball analogy with the sales process. So we talked about those four, you know, like boom, boom, boom. Right. Yeah. And so if you think about a baseball diamond in a really simple way to think about it, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm at first. How, how, I, how do I get to first base? What steps do I need to get to first base? Okay, yep. what if I go too slow, I'm going to get out, right? So it's like I go from first to second. Then, okay, how do I get from second to third? Okay, what am I doing? And that's why I talk about the conversions. It's not about yep. the, the actual step. It's about thinking about the conversions. And then it's like, okay, well, now it's time to run home. What do I need to do? Okay, if I, mm, okay, I got to watch everything that's all around me. And so if you just think about your sales process as a simple baseball diamond, you're like, okay, I got to go from here to here here to here, here to here. Okay. That, that's all I have to do. And so if you think about it that simply, because in its simplest form, that is what a sales process is. When mm -hmm. you make it too complicated, nobody's going to follow it. And if you don't have a process, nobody's going to follow it because they have nothing to follow. So start as simple as what does it take from first touch to getting a first call? What are all the different ways that you guys as a team do that? What are some of my best practices? How can we get from point A to point B? Yep. That is how you build this process out. Yep. Yep. And you shared that with me before, and I'm glad Kurt brought it up because I think this is one of the things that stops a lot of sales managers or, or just salespeople if they have to do this, this themselves is to build the processes. And it is as simple as just go, what does it take to get to this step and what do I need to learn? And Absolutely. what's the stake to get to the next step? And what do I need to learn? And um, how many times do you find? Yes, yes. So first of all, I, I'm gonna, I was my head flew far forward because I know I, there's another question I want to ask you. Uh, but it is. It's as simple as doing that and just developing the steps and, and going in what you're doing. So how many times do you think that people are rushing the sale? Oh, man, <laughs> you just want me to, to go all the way on all. You're hitting all of my hot buttons of things, my pet peeves, right? They rush the sale all the time because they want to go from 
first call to purchase order or credit card in like two days, two minutes, right? Like, so they yeah. always do. And you know, you're rushing the sale. One, if you're not moving at the pace of your buyer, of your prospect. Yeah. Is the prospect asking for pricing after two minutes? That means because they're trying to price shop you and they don't care <laughs> about the product right yeah move at that pace you need to build value it is about solving their problems not the the little pain that they have right now the little niggle the problem and so a great analogy that i like to use is okay so let's say i sprain my wrist that's fine i get a brace i keep working no problem right so if you come and you try to sell me some magical cure to help my wrist I don't care because I'm still working and mm -hmm. you're not affecting anything. But let's say I break my wrist. Okay. I break my wrist so I can't drive. Okay. You can't drive. So you can't go to work. You can't go to work. So you don't get paid. You mm -hmm. don't get paid. So you don't pay your mortgage mm -hmm. and you get foreclosed on. So if you come to me and you say, Hey, if you, I have this magical pill that costs a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, however much it costs to save you from foreclosure, you'll be like, wait, hold up. How did you get from a broken wrist all the way there? You paint that picture in their mind. You help them imagine the thing that they're not thinking about. That's the magic of going slow and having a process because it's your job as the salesperson to help that person understand how their pain is really a problem and how that problem manifests into a bigger issue. Because most of the time we are selling our product is to avert risk. Simple. We're trying to alleviate risk in some way. So that is really, really, like I said, you, you had me on my soapbox, so I'll, I'll calm down now. <laughs> this is awesome. No, no, I wanted you to talk about it. I wanted you to talk about it because it was one of the points that I wanted to bring up because I think that we lose so many sales when we rush the sale. Mm -hmm. And you talked about building value by, by showing, painting the picture, first of all, is like, Hey, if you break your wrist and you're going to, you could potentially lose your house and we're going to prevent you from losing your house by protecting your risk with this little guard, right? Exactly. That's what you need. That's why you put exactly. this wrist guard on because we want you working tomorrow, just like you were today or doing whatever you want to do. And we don't want you losing your house. And, and the thing pay, is, if you, if you just sell that, let's say it's a magical pill, right? Yeah. They just say, oh, I can't go to work for a week. Oh, I'll pay $100 for that. But if that magical pill will prevent foreclosure, they'll pay $100,000 for it. Like, yeah. so you can, and again, sometimes we have that discretion within our products that there's not a list price. There's not a, a finite price. Mm -hmm. But even if there is, if it's $100 and you are able to convince that person that, hey, this $100 is going to save you this. This $100 is going to prevent this. That it's like, oh, it's just 100 bucks. Oh, let me let me swipe this card. Like I'm done, right? Yeah. So that is our job as salespeople. Our job is to help take our buyers on a journey to help them understand where they are and where they need to go. Yes.
Yes, that said said very well. So you said it very well, uh, because it it is. This is one of the things I think the the pressure, the corporate pressure, or the just business pressure, not necessarily corporate pressure, to to generate sales. Right. Well, we got to generate a million dollar sales this month. Blah 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 blah. So people think they have to rush through the sale. It's it's not necessarily rushing through the sale because you won't get as many sales. And it's like you talked about before. Sometimes you have to slow down to go fast. And maybe it's the fact that. It's not that I have to rush the sales I have. I have to have more sales in my pipeline so I can take the right amount of time and convert, as you said, a lot more of those sales we have in the pipeline. Absolutely. And it's also important to know that sometimes you're breaking your back and you're breaking your neck to close the sale. And not all business is good business. Right. So sometimes it's okay to walk away from a deal. I literally just walked away from um, a five figure deal because it was four months too late. I was like, you're a hot mess now. Like if you would have hired me four months ago, we could have talked. But now you lost 50 percent of your sales team, which I told you you're going to lose. And your sales manager's gone. Like, no, it's going to be way too much for me. And so thanks, but no thanks. And so not all business is good business. And sometimes you're breaking your neck for a bad deal. (laughs) Like if you have to do so much and you have, you're working too hard, you should have enough in your pipeline where if this one falls out, it's okay. Something else is going to come in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Wesleyan, we we've gone for nearly 50 minutes and I feel like we just got started. I know. You know, I love to talk, Damon. uh, This is awesome. This is awesome, though. Kurt Kurt says, so good. And he's exactly right. Time to take notes today. Wesleyan Wisdom. Yep. Got a hashtag for you now. Mm -hmm. So I just want to go back over a couple things. And then we're going to talk about a couple other things really quickly. But, you know, you're talking about the importance of process and training salespeople. You can train salespeople. And then we talked about the um, building value, building your sales process around the middle of your sales, not your top performers, not your bottom performers, about the people in the middle. I just wanted to cover, go back over these keys again, because I think there were some really important things that people looking at their sales process and the other one i did forget now that i know is that to ask your salespeople what they're doing and to yeah. see what your current sales processes are like even if you think you have some to see if you really do have some absolutely you go down a whole other thing on that but we're not going to so march is women's history month and today is equal pay day Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So today is the day that women literally catch up with making, I would say, I guess for every hundred dollars that a man made in 2021, today is the day that women caught up with them. So it took takes them a full 15 months, if you will, to, to get to a man's $1. And this day is so important and significant because in sales, the pay disparity is is high, is really high because typically men tend to negotiate higher salaries. So they start out at higher levels. Women don't negotiate their salaries as well. And so the pay disparity as people tend to go up and grow in leadership, it gets wider and wider and wider. So um, 
It is a very important day. And there's actually somebody um, who I was connected with on LinkedIn. And she said that this day is so important to her because literally a year ago today, she was let go for bringing up a pay disparity of 50% from her male colleagues. And so it's real. And a lot of times, if you don't know what to say or what to ask, you just, it goes unnoticed. But mm -hmm. what I would say, it is the responsibility of everyone. It's not just the responsibility of women to say, hey, I'm not making enough. It is the responsibility of um, male leaders, female leaders to say, this is not okay. And we need to fix this. So there's an even playing field for all. Mm -hmm. No doubt. No doubt. And like, like you said, in, in sales, it, it just seems like it's a lot more. My wife had talked to me about that in sales and, and, and happened in her companies and they were big companies and it's not just little companies or anything like that. It, and, and I, I, I personally can't remember it happening because we, in the companies that I was running, but we, I never really hired salespeople. Right. So if you're looking at an engineer, an engineer is an engineer, that position is a position. And uh, but yeah, that's crazy to think that, that it's, it's this time of year now, and it takes that long for, for women to, to make the same amount that men did. And that's cool. We're talking about it. Cause you're right. It's not, it's, everybody's gotta be aware of it. Um, yeah. like, like any of this stuff, right. Any of this yeah. stuff. And we talk about pay diversity, you know, cause there's unconscious bias. I mean, just the, all the kind of junk that we run into, that mm -hmm. we don't do, we don't, a lot of it we don't know, a lot of it we do know and choose not to address, which is yeah. BS, quite yeah. honestly. And we just, we just need to take care of some of this stuff and, and not some of it, the stuff that we need to take care of. Absolutely. Um, and I think I'll kind of wrap this section with um, one way that uh, I mean, their companies can do what they can do to, to fix pay disparities. Um, but I always advocate or I tell women always negotiate, like never yeah. just accept a, your salary, never just accept a new job with what they give you. Just ask for more. Like what, what if they take, they're not going to take the job away. And the second thing is um, as a hiring manager, offer whatever you offer to one offers all. I worked yes. at a company and somebody was coming in and they negotiated really hard and they asked for like $20,000 more. And that leader went back and bumped up everyone, male, woman that was in the same position, actually increased their salary. That is equity, right? That is what yeah. we have to do to ensure that you're not like, well, I'm gonna give you $20,000 because you asked for it. No, everybody within this pay band is going to get the same base salary. Yeah, that's a great point. Now, what you just described, I think that's something that happens a lot, especially in today's job market, right? Just to just go across the, the board in anybody today. Uh, so say I'm an entry-level worker today going into a place that that the pay has gone up by 2 or $3 an hour now that I'm going in. Did they go back and raise everyone else's pay that two or three dollars an hour? And, and it doesn't happen a lot of times. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. And that's a great point um, of showing just that I'm not talking about equal payday, but that's a great point. Is that this is this is across the board that the kind of things that we need to make sure that we're doing on this. Um, Absolutely. I love your idea about negotiating, though. Negotiating the wage, you should always be able to do that because you're right. What's the worst they're going to say? No. 
Right. I actually, I help somebody and, you know, anyone, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, um, men, women, anyone reach out to me. I like to talk. And there was somebody who we connected a little while ago. She's getting a new job. She said, Wesley, I have two offers. What should I do? We spent like 30 minutes on the phone. I said, this is what you asked for. This is what you do. Ask yeah. for six months of guarantee commission. Ask for sign on bonus, like all of this stuff. And she's like, really? I was like, yes. Literally every single sales job I ever held, I asked for a sign-on bonus, guarantee commission, and they say yes. There is a ramp-up period. Like, ask for it. If they say no, maybe it's not the right company for you. Yeah. Somebody else yeah. will come. So just yeah. ask for it. Yeah. Great, great advice. Great advice, Wesleyan. Thank you so much. So, Wesleyan, if someone wants to get a hold of you, you said you're active on LinkedIn. Is that the best place to find you? It is absolutely the best place to find me, just Wesleyan Greer. Um, I'm there posting lots of content, engaging in your amazing content, Damon and Kurt yeah. and everyone else. Um, so that is the best way to find me. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Wesleyan. We had, I just had a ball talking to you and I, I, I got a little scattered once in a while because I got, you, you were just going and I was like, ooh. I had to catch back up, but there was great talking to you. And, and if, and if people, if you didn't get to listen to the whole thing, stop back in and listen to some of these points that Wesleyan had. She had a lot of good keys for salespeople, sales managers, and the sales processes that can help you sell more. So thanks so much for being here today, Wesleyan. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast chatting with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll be back again on the Faces of Business, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Kurt, for the comments, man. Can't, you know, I just can't uh, thank you enough, Kurt, for doing that. We have we have a bit of fun when we get on as well. But we'll be back again uh, Thursday with another Faces of Business. Awesome.